Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of the Under Further Review podcast with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. And we have breaking news for you this morning. Um, So we're recording on Memorial Day, uh, May 29th, and um, at 3 a.m. Eastern time this morning, Tiger Woods (laughs) uh, was arrested for DUI um, driving around in uh, his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. I guess now it's his hometown. He's from California. but. Mm -hmm. Um, so we don't really have much to talk about here. Just, um, it was breaking news and it was really <laughs> exciting to us. We hardly ever get to break news. Um, but Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all, he got arrested, um, for driving under the influence. He was taken into custody around 3 a.m. Eastern this morning, booked at about 7 a.m. Um, and when I was first reading this news, I was like, he was drunk driving at seven o'clock in the morning, but he was not. It just took them four hours to book him. Released on his own recognizance um, around 10.50, um this morning. And he has a pretty tough mugshot that is um, all over the news now. Yeah, he looks rough. Um, definitely looks like, well, I mean, I suppose he could be just tired since he was out at 3 a.m. and in jail for the next seven <laughs> hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office released his, his mugshot. He looks uh, a little worse for wear. And um, no news about when he'll have to go to court on this or, like, how um, a high above the uh, blood alcohol content level he was at the time of his arrest. The um, arresting papers that have been released to some reporters do note that he um, make reference to a blood alcohol level um, that was unlawful, so presumably he took a breathalyzer, um, since I would think it'd take longer for blood tests to yeah. come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we'll keep you all updated on this, but, um, man, how the mighty have fallen. Very, very exciting. Um, just for those of you who, um, have been paying attention to Tiger Woods's career and sort of off the golf course incidents... In 2009, he was ticketed for careless driving when he drove into, I think it was a tree, at very low speeds, but this came after... Well, his um, wife was chasing him from their <laughs> driveway with yeah, a golf club. with a golf club. <laughs> and I think he might have... Well, I don't know if he was on Ambien at the time he drove his car into a tree, but he had been um, on prescription medications around that time because of like back issues, knee issues, and sounds like sleeping issues. Um... But he, he wasn't arrested at the, at that time, so um, no, this is our, our first Tiger Woods magic shot. Yeah. It's very exciting. Then we found all those horrible details about his uh, private life, and <laughs> everything's really gone downhill for, for him since then. Um, yeah. So, well, Tiger, get better, man. Get some help. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck to you. Um, so, you know, moving from our breaking news to uh, the, our regular part of the podcast, if you can call it the regular part of our podcast. Um, last week, we talked a lot about um, news in the NBA, but we didn't talk about Enos Cantor, who is uh, the center who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, um, you mean the fake Supersonics? <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the fake Seattle Supersonics. Um what had happened, uh, and this, you know, this started bubbling up last week, and it sort of has come to a head uh, since then. But he was traveling um, overseas, doing some, uh, you know, probably some clinics or some charity work or appearances. And I believe he was in Indonesia at yes. the time. But when he was in Indonesia, he found out that his Turkish passport had been revoked. Uh, 
Enos Cantor is a Turkish citizen, although he was born in Switzerland. His parents were in Switzerland at the time. I think going to school, um, his father is a lecturer of histiology um, at a university in Turkey. Uh, so Cantor spent most of his childhood and you know early teenage years in Turkey before moving to the United States to go to like some AAU prep school and then on to college at Kentucky. Um, so he travels on his Turkish passport. Uh, he he found out that his Turkish passport had been canceled while he was in Indonesia. Somehow managed to get a flight out and landed in Romania where he was detained because he had no valid passport that he was traveling on. Um, and I'm not really sure how he was able to get out of Romania. They've I, not explained that, no. no. I'm sort of like envisioning a um, like Tom Hanks situation. I know, I was like, this is like the terminal, but scarier and <laughs> yeah. more depressing. Yes. So uh, he, ha- he, uh, basically, he tweeted from Romania about how his passport had been revoked because he has, it sounds like a pretty personal <laughs> uh, conflict with the Turkish president, Erdogan, um, and all of this is coming. I mean, he's been very active in voicing his opposition to President Erdogan. He called him the Hitler of the century um, and is saying... He's also publicly aligned himself with the cleric Fatula Gulen, who is uh, living in Pennsylvania now. And um, for anyone who watches the news, um, you may have heard his name come up for sort of two reasons. One, um, Erdogan alleged that Gulen was behind the coup that was attempted last year to um, throw Erdogan out of power. And also, um, I know we've talked about not making this a political podcast, so we're just having a uh, factual discussion, but um, allegedly Michael Flynn, um, the erstwhile uh, national security advisor to um, our current president, uh, was a acting as a uh, agent of the Turkish government and was allegedly um, working to get Gulen extradited to Turkey out of Pennsylvania. Um, so his name may be familiar to those of you who are um, news junkies. Um, well, yes, I kind of forgot about that part. I I just remember the coup in Turkey because that right. was a very very tense week. Um, the military had been called mm-hmm. in; it was very militarized. Um, in any event, um, aside from being a vocal proponent of Gulen, um, essentially what the Turkish government is accusing Cantor of is actually engaging in active um, terrorism. terrorism to try to overthrow the Turkish government. Uh, so he, uh, I think one of the allegations is that he, Cantor and other Gulen supporters have been trading messages on Bylock, which is an encrypted messaging app about how to overthrow Erdogan. Um, so, oh, uh, so back to where we were. So okay, he made sorry. it. Oh no, it's fine. <laughs> so he made it back to the United States. He is a green card holder of this country, which means that he's not here on a work visa. He is a, a legal permanent resident of the United States. Um, he can become a U.S. citizen, and I think in about five years. Um, or three years if he finds someone to marry legitimately. <laughs> um, just throwing that in there. Um, and he is allowed to travel between here and Canada and back again on the green card. He doesn't need a passport. But at this point, he is a man without a country, he says. And he um, tweeted a picture of himself like in front of the Welcome to the United States sign at whatever airport he landed in. It was like, so happy to be home. And he um, has expressed that he wants to become an American citizen, especially after what's been going on. Um, 
the likelihood of him being extradited to Turkey is probably pretty low. Yes. Well, I was just going to note that um, apparently there are, the prosecutors in Turkey have requested what's called an international red notice from mm. Interpol to locate and arrest Cantor. Um, but the news is coming out through the, um, I believe it's pronounced Sabah um, news service, which is uh, widely recognized as basically state-run media for the Erdogan um, uh, regime. Um, and they've actually, they're not allowed to cover, um, EU parliament because they spread oh. hate. <laughs> um, so it's whether, I mean, I, I don't know why they would misreport what prosecutors are doing and mm -hmm. frankly, what's gone on over there with, um, Erdogan kind of crushing any dissent. Mm -hmm. The truth of those news reports wouldn't surprise me, but, um, I think you're right. The, well... Actually, who knows? Because the Turkish government was allowed to like bring people into That's this country true. who beat the shit out of protesters. American protesters. Yes. So maybe um, he'll be extradited. I certainly hope not. It seems like he's just exercising what we would view as free speech rights. Uh, yeah. So I would say like up until five months ago, I would feel very secure in saying <laughs> that he would not be extradited, nor would American authorities arrest him based on... Um, this red notice. So, uh, in case anyone is curious, uh, Michael McCann of SI wrote a really interesting article that talks about the extradition, um, Interpol, and immigration issues related to Cantor. He actually even put a link into the U.S.-Turkey extradition <laughs> treaty, which I started reading and then I got very sleepy. <laughs> um, but Interpol has no actual agents. They are not a law enforcement agency. They are just an organization that assists law enforcement agencies of member countries. So this red notice, you know, goes out for Cantor, but, you know, in the United States, you still can't be arrested without actually having, like, you know, a basis for arrest. So you cannot be arrested because of the red notice. You could be arrested for drunk driving, for example, and the United States could then think about what it would want to do based on the red notice. Um, in the McCann article, it does talk about how the extradition treaty between the United States and Turkey does not allow for people to be extradited based purely on political dissent or political reasons. So, Interesting. Yeah, but again, like five months ago, I would have been like, sweet, but now I just don't know that I have the confidence in saying that um, we are not uh, complicit in the regimes of autocrats and dictators and, like, military bullies. Right. I mean, I guess if they haven't tried to get um, Gulen out of the country, they're probably not going to go after Enos Cantor. But, um, I mean, frankly, at this point, who knows? There is uh, part of... There's a Deadspin story on this where they talk about... Um, Apparently Cantor, according to them, although this sounds a little weird to me, he was able to get out of Romania to London and then travel back to the U.S. on his green card. Oh, okay. Um, which, again, I mean, if you can just travel on your green card, why? Yeah, I don't know. As someone who's never needed a green card, that sounds a little odd, but maybe that is how it really works. I mean, I know that you can travel between the United States and Canada with your green card, um, and other documentation, but I didn't know that that applied overseas again. I just, uh, very happy yeah. to have my U.S. passport yeah. <laughs> and hopefully it won't be revoked after this. Um, and for anyone who's interested in hearing Enos Cantor's side of all of this, he did write a piece for the Players' Tribune mm. 
um, which it pains me to publicize because it's run by Derek Jeter. And you know my feelings about Derek Jeter, but um, it's pretty interesting and actually, you know, kind of sad. He apparently hasn't talked to his parents in years, except yeah. for them to like beg him to stop mm-hmm. talking because they're still in Turkey and uh, they are supporters, or at least they are purported supporters of Erdogan. And yeah. I don't know if that's because that's what you need to do, um, right? If you don't want to be thrown into prison, or if they actually are true supporters of the current regime. But yes, um, they've yeah they have been. Um, they have been estranged for many years. Yeah. So um, for more on Enos Cantor's story, feel free to check out the Players' Tribune. Um, and I guess that's that's sort of it for this. Hopefully, um, I guess we'll we'll see if any more news comes out about this. Certainly, if um, Mr. Cantor is extradited, we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll alert you, folks. <laughs> we will let you know. But um, you know, to extradite someone based on having not committed any yeah. crime that's uh, and really just be, being an outspoken critic is um, inconvenient for a lot of people, but not a crime. No. Um, no matter what the armchair or constitutional scholars on social media might tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, no really good segue um, from our first story to our second story. I guess, you know, Turkey stole his passport, and the Oakland Raiders have been stealing wages, <laughs> according to... Uh, <laughs> um, according to a court in California. Yeah, so, um, so many years ago, and actually in 2014... Uh, cheerleaders for the Oakland Raiders filed a the Raiderettes. The Raiderettes, excuse me, <laughs> filed a class a class action lawsuit against the Raiders for uh, wage theft. So they uh, they allege that they were not being compensated for the time that they work, um, not being reimbursed for business expenses related to cheerleading, um, and they were also fined for any like minor infraction and i'm assuming like this i'm just thinking like how the nfl finds players for not like wearing the right color socks i'm assuming it's kind of similar for um the raiderettes they uh were able to settle i believe the lawsuit um in in and around that same time frame but in 2015 i believe the california legislature um recognized that they that cheerleaders um in this instance were not independent contractors so they were actually employees and once you become an employee you're subject to all of the like wage and hour laws of the state so they need to be um, paid at least minimum wage uh they need to be paid for overtime um so apparently they they work about 350 hours um, each year, which includes rehearsals, practices, mandatory community um, training, or mandatory community and charity events. So, um, if you're being paid minimum wage for that, uh, you know it increased their their wages substantially because I think they were just previously being paid on an on game basis. It was at the end of the season. At the end, of, and it was a very nominal <laughs> amount, and that was before they took out all the fines for those uh, so called infractions. Some of the infractions include wearing the wrong nail polish color mm-hmm. to practice um, or failing to, to bring the correct pom-poms to practice. <sighs> okay. Um, so also as employees of um, – as employees, they are also now um, – they have the benefit of having paid sick days under the Healthy Workplaces Healthy Families Act of 2014? 2015. 2015. 2015. 2015. Um, but that's sort of, so that's from a few years ago, but the most recent incident, um, occurred where 
two cheerleaders from the 49ers um, and two cheer and two of the Raider Ets filed a lawsuit against the NFL for conspiracy in an attempt to keep wages suppressed. That lawsuit was thrown out by Judge Alsup of the Ninth Circuit, or actually the Northern District of California, because they failed to allege any sort of, of like the facts related to it. They it was just legal conclusions, so none of the who, what, when, where, why, how that um, should be found in a complaint. But they have until I believe June fifteenth to amend their complaint. Do the 49ers cheerleaders have some funny name? I think they might be something Gold Rush dancers or something like that. At least that's Um, my recollection. And in a sort of similar case, the five cheerleaders um, for the Buffalo Bills, also known as the Buffalo Jills, um, (laughs) they were, um, a court in New York found that they were employees of the team Um, not simply independent contractors, which is a critical threshold issue to get over when you're filing a wage theft um, lawsuit because minimum wage um, regulations typically do not apply to independent contractors, nor would things like the sick leave law that Genevieve cited. Um, So that lawsuit is not um, as far kind of down the road as the Raiderette suit, but um, the Jills have not performed at a Buffalo Bills game since 2014, um, which seems like quite a long time to kind of, I mean, they've effectively been on strike, I guess, because yeah. they don't, they have not had, as far as I can understand, replacement cheerleaders come in. So um, it seems like the Bills would uh, do well to just settle with these people and move mm-hmm. on with their lives. And it, I mean, it really is such a, a mere pittance compared to the wages that they're paid to players, to yeah. staff, to, um, was was 125 $125 a game. game. Now they're going to be paid 9 bucks an hour plus overtime. Yeah. Uh, so the 49ers cheerleaders are just called the Gold Rush cheerleaders. I, I didn't think that it was anything particularly creative. No. Um, yeah, so uh, I cannot uh, recall in the last three years, actually one, watching a Buffalo Bills football game, um, and then two, paying attention to whether or not there were replacement cheerleaders. So uh, maybe... I mean, I guess the fact that the that there are no cheerleaders was of note leads me to believe that they're they don't have cheerleaders performing, but maybe they have cheerleader scabs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like the cheerleaders typically perform during the commercial breaks on TV, true. and I've I've never been to a live Buffalo Bills game, but I do have friends who often go to see the Patriots play the. Bills in Buffalo, so mm-hmm. I can ask them and update folks in the next <laughs> podcast. If we have scab cheerleaders yeah. in the house. All right. For follow. We'll just note that for future follow. They're men. They would notice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it, it seems like there are a number of um, cheerleading squads or, uh, I don't even know what they're really called, but groups um, trying to fight for fair wages. Um and the two Raiderettes won yeah. one and a quarter million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, uh, they did. seems like a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, as class class representatives, the two named Raiderettes in that lawsuit got yeah. their class representative fees of $10,000, which is very standard <laughs> as a person who's just trying to wrap up the class action lawsuit. <laughs> um, so those were um, our three, well, I guess our two really big stories for the day. And um, I guess we can sort of go to 
our three minute warning, which I kind of feel would be is a little longer than normal just because there's some there's some interesting stuff going on. Right. So the I think the first one we want to talk about is a lawsuit involving Rebel Wilson um, of Pitch Perfect and Bridesmaids fame. Mm-hmm. Um, she has sued Bauer Media, which is an Australian media company, for um, publishing uh, false statements about her, her age, her name. Or well, is she not saying, what wasn't clear to me is, is she saying that they're lies or that the fact that they got disclosed was harmful to her career? Well, I think she's saying that the their stories were that Rebel Wilson has lied about her age, her background, and her whether or not she was actually related to Walt Disney. So... Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. So they they published stories saying that like Rebel Wilson lied about these things, and she's saying that um, because this publicity has come out, these allegations that she's lied and made up stories has hurt her career. That's I think the crux of it. Um, I think the Walt Disney story goes is that maybe one of her uh, great aunts or grand aunts. Um, was married to Walt Disney's wife or something, so they were somehow related. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's really strange. So she, uh, as Burke said, she's suing Bauer Media in Australia. Um, Rebel Wilson was actually trained as an attorney. And I don't know if she actually got to the point where she was licensed, but she did go to law school. Um, She's been on the stand now for a number of days, uh, essentially explaining how these stories in, like, Women's Day magazine has significantly and negatively impacted her Hollywood career. She's, um, She's alleged that she was dumped from the role of a Jack Black Panda's love interest from uh, one of the sequels to Kung Fu Panda. Uh, She was also fired from the movie Trolls. um, And that, you know, because the shelf life in Hollywood is so short, that these these stories in Women's Day essentially has um, cut short her Hollywood career. The attorneys for Women's Day or Bauer Media has said that, like, she was fired from Trolls and from Kung Fu Panda, well, not well before, but before these stories came out and, um, you know, according to the dates of the letters or the contracts involved. But Rebel Wilson is saying that, um, no, she was actually, in fact, fired afterwards and these letters and these contracts were dated, like, predated or Postdated, or the date was changed to reflect an earlier time frame, which I don't really understand why. That does seem kind of odd. Um, and apparently, Rebel Wilson's lawsuit was spurred by a lawsuit filed against her by a Bauer media journalist, Elizabeth Wilson, mm-hmm. which is a little confusing. So back in 2016, Rebel Wilson tweeted out that Elizabeth Wilson was complete and total scum something to that effect, um, along with a picture of Ms. Wilson um, because Elizabeth Wilson was allegedly harassing Rebel Wilson's grandmother to get a story. Turns out there are two Elizabeth Wilsons who work for Bauer Media, and Rebel Wilson got the wrong one. Um, And so she felt, according to her, she felt terrible, reached out to Elizabeth Wilson to apologize and instead was hit with a quarter of a million dollar lawsuit for, um, you know, the misery that her tweet had inflicted upon Elizabeth Wilson. Um, 
the line from one of the Guardian articles is kind of hilarious because they say, and I quote, the court heard of a Twitter stoosh between the Star and Bauer Media after a journalist named Elizabeth Wilson contacted her grandmother amid the media firestorm. What the hell is a stoosh? I'm not really sure what a stoosh is, but apparently it's a common enough phrase that you could use it in regular journalism in England. Interesting. Um, So Rebel Wilson basically... uh, took the position she felt like she was being subjected to a shakedown and decided she was just going to sue She was going to fight back instead. Her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, it's interesting. I don't, um, I don't, I'm not really a fan of Rebel Wilson and not for any really good reason, but she's just kind of in my face all the time, so she sort of rubs me the wrong way, but I can't really say. According to her, she's not in your face all the time because of these horrible (laughs) stories about her, so now she can't work. I kind of feel like she is, though. (laughs) Um, Allegedly, this all started, I feel like Star Jones on the SNL skits where they would have Star Jones, where she would constantly say, like, allegedly, and (laughs) I am a lawyer. Um, But... um, apparently a person who Rebel Wilson went to school with Mm -hmm. was selling these stories to Bauer Media um, and there was an email exchange with Rebel Wilson some of her actual friends from when she was in high school trying to figure out who the hell it was who was Mm -hmm. selling all this stuff Um, oh apparently in Australia they refer to lies as pork pies (laughs) there's a line from a um, I think this is Yes, this is also the Guardian. Um, that the Women's Day articles claim that the star told pork pies about her age, which was thirty-four at the time, rather than twenty-nine, as some believed. Um, Wilson says she never lied about her age, but admitted she hadn't spoken up about it during her time in Hollywood. Um, she said she just stopped talking about how old she was when she got there, and people made their own assumptions, I guess, about how old she was. Um, yeah, I do recall reading um, sort of the statements that Rebel Wilson made about this uh, very jealous and, you know, what she is called a vindictive childhood, like, arch nemesis, who is the one who's uh, spreading these quote-unquote pork pies about her. <laughs> oh, pork pies. I wonder, uh, like... Is it because it rhymes? Yeah, I was going to say, is it like Cockney rhyming slang? Or, yeah, yeah, very gangster. Yeah, very... <laughs> Um, is this the British version of the Guardian that's... I don't know. I think they had pork pies in quotes, so I guess they used it in the article in, on Women's Day. But yeah, that's not really a legal <laughs> issue, just interesting. Um, so, yeah, are they still... Has the case gone to the jury? Do you no, know if she's, still, she's still testifying? She's still testifying. I think like the last thing I read, it was like day four. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's... Well, I mean, I suppose she has to show a damage to her reputation yeah. and how that's impacted her commercially speaking and then what I, there was an allegation that her name isn't actually rebel wilson um except her siblings all have like kind of wacky names too like liberty and anarchy oh, and anarchy hmm. it's i think it's spelled anarchy but they i don't know if they pronounce it anarchy because there's an r um, Australians add R as much the way that Bostonians do in the middle of words and drop them from the oh, end Oh, yeah. Of like, she has a sister named Riot with, yeah. that's spelled with a Y. This reminds me of Jamie Oliver's children, oh, right. who have really crazy, insane names. Or um, Joaquin Phoenix and his siblings. Oh, yeah. So, according to her Wikipedia page, she was born Melanie Elizabeth Bounds, um, but who knows if that was corrected, if that's accurate although i do feel like wikipedia is typically 
on top um, of things. That sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jamie Oliver's children's names are Poppy Honey Rosie, Daisy Boo Pamela, Petal Blossom <laughs> Rainbow, Buddy Bear Maurice, and River Rocket. And Brooke's just shaking her head. <laughs> I just, I would murder my parents in their sleep <laughs> if they had named me Buddy Bear. Buddy Bear Maurice, yeah. Um, not really. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she has her, yeah, Liberty, which is spelled like the word Liberty, um, Anarchy, which is spelled like Anna, and then Chi at the end of it, but I think it's pronounced anarchy. almost like Anarchy, and then Riot with a Y is her brother. Um, wait, so did they all get their names changed, or? I don't know. Well, we might have to do some investigating. Yeah, I think we need to do some more research about this name situation. <laughs> and get back to you. Because it seems weird that they would all have very unique names. Um, yeah. But that there wasn't some, like, organized effort to change them before she became famous. Yeah, or, like, if you were... Yeah, I don't know. But um, I thought you might find this funny, but her parents had a, a dog... I don't know if it's just dog grooming or like dog training business called mm-hmm. Pet Cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought you that's fantastic. <laughs> like my dog uh doggy daycare, Citizen Canine, <laughs> which they're not paying us, but they're wonderful in Oakland. <laughs> Use them. Um okay, so that's Rebel Wilson and her uh defamation lawsuit against uh Women's Day magazine in Australia. Um, and maybe we'll go to Shia LaBeouf before we get to reality TV stoop. Yes. Um, so Shia LaBeouf, um, apparently is being sued by a, um, bartender, uh, bartender who he called racist for not serving him. Now Shia LaBeouf is a white man, so I'm not sure. And I don't know if the race of the bartender was disclosed. So I'm not sure how he gets racist out of any interaction that he might be involved in unless he's on the um, displaying end of the racism. But not that I'm saying that he is, but just it seems a little confusing to me based on the lack of detail here. So uh, Yes. So the bartender, uh, whose name is David Bernstein... Uh, was a bartender at Jerry's Famous Deli in Los Angeles. Yeah, in Los Angeles. He um, refused to serve Shia LaBeouf and Shia's wife uh, because they were already intoxicated at the time that they demanded drinks. And uh, I guess there's like video of Shia LaBeouf calling Bernstein an effing racist bitch I don't know why I, like, censored the effing part, but not the bitch part. (laughs) So, like, earmuffs for kids, but he called him a fucking racist bitch. And and since that time, the bartender said that he's gone through, like, a lot of distress because people who are fans of Shia LaBeouf, which I assume there are, like, three people. Yeah, yeah, at this point, Jesus. Are are now, like, (laughs) harassing him and calling him racist and uh, being otherwise mean to him. So he is suing Shia LaBeouf for $5 million. He, uh, Bernstein has worked at Jerry's Famous Deli for 32 years and is, quote, a beloved individual to his customers who are predominantly African-American, unquote. So we just, well, I guess Shia LaBeouf was drunk, so probably there's no rationale to why he called this guy racist. Um, that's what I presume. Yeah. Super weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but he's suing him for $5 million. Like, how much... 
I mean, it's terrible to be called a racist, mm-hmm. obviously, probably more so in the middle of a room full of people of color. Um, but nonetheless, like, how, how the hell is he getting $5 million of damages out of this? I don't know. He's... Or is it a shoot for the stars and you'll... Or shoot for the moon and you'll land in the stars type of uh, damages <laughs> or allegation? Like just, maybe just somewhere in the outer atmosphere. Oh. Um, yeah, he claims that he has been subject to, uh, quote, significant embarrassment and ridicule, quote, since the video um, was published, and now he is being called the racist bartender by fans of Shia LaBeouf. Again, of which there are three. And I think that's being very generous. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Another one, much like Tiger Woods. So talented when he was so young, <laughs> and things seem to have gone horribly awry for him. Yeah. Um, but I guess there's not too much to say on that at this point, except... Um, yeah, we'll see. Lawsuit will, I guess, progress and... Mm-hmm. He may have sued for $5 million in order to get a settlement out of him and some kind of admission that he isn't actually racist. I don't yeah, know. I mean, that's what I'm assuming would happen. Um, and I hate to uh, think that it's it's what people should do, or that's, but it is a tactic that people often employ, which is to file lawsuits for, um, and maybe not even exorbitant amounts in terms of claimed damages, but in, in essence to... Um, keep these lawsuits from moving forward through discovery and all of that stuff that defendants would rather just settle uh, for a nominal amount and have people go away. Mm, I don't know. Very true. Um, yeah, it's, which, you know, when you see people settling lawsuits, kind of the assumption that I think a lot of lay people jump to is, like, you must have done something wrong, mm-hmm. why else would you settle it? But I think in a lot of cases... Um, it is just to make the problem go away because yeah. it's going to cost you more money to fight it in court. And exactly. if you can just pay them out and have it be over with, then that's uh, that might be the best option. Again, we're not your attorneys. No. Um, but I know that uh, for, in at least our experience, you know, you do have to weigh the cost of actually going to litigation um, against what you're going to pay out in settlement. So mm-hmm. in a case like this, where you could settle it for maybe under twenty five or under fifty thousand um, dollars, you know, for an individual, regardless of whether you're you're rich or not rich, but you know, you could potentially be paying an attorney four hundred and fifty to eight hundred and fifty dollars an hour to do work, which is includes writing letters, making phone calls, mm-hmm. and then once you get to the you know once you get to discovery and you're answering interrogatories or taking depositions you're racking up these legal bills where if you can um, settle it at the beginning part and sort of avoid paying those legal bills, it might actually be worth it even if you feel that you haven't done anything wrong. It's sort of, you know, you have to weigh the cost of of litigation. So anyways, not our legal advice, just our legal experience. No, and if you're, I guess also when you're, maybe you can take keep that in mind when you're seeing things like this on the news with people settling, it doesn't always mean that they did anything wrong. It may just mean that they've made the decision that it's not worth their time and money to go through a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and it could also mean that they did do something wrong too. Absolutely, just yes. To go away, but, um, <laughs> but it's not always the case that they that they did. It is it's it's the um, sort of the analysis of whether or not it's worth it to them to to go through it. So, um, so for our last segment of this week's pod, um, our reality TV stoop. I've been told by listener Kate um, that I need to get my reality TV. 
uh, viewing under control, but <laughs> no, I don't. Whatever. I love these ladies. They're crazy and a mess. Um, so this week we have the Real Housewives of New York City. Um, one of the cast members, Carol Radzaville, who um, was kind of well-known in the late 90s as a cousin of JFK Jr. Um, she was married to his cousin, Anthony Radzaville, who is the son of Jackie Kennedy's sister. Um, she is a cast member on the Real Houses of New York, and she's been sued by a woman named Barbara um, Kavovit, who has said that um, Ms. Radzaville recorded what she believed to be a private conversation between the two of them. What is interesting is that this conversation, which aired on um, The Real Housewives of New York's episode two weeks ago, took place at a charity event that was being filmed for the TV show. Um, so she, Barbara um, Kavovit, has argued that um, she didn't realize that all conversations would be taped. Um, she was standing in a corner talking to Miss Radzwill. Um, and unbeknownst to her, Miss Radzwill was mic'd up and the whole conversation was recorded. The reason that the conversation is problematic is because she made disparaging comments about the um, then impending marriage of Luann de Lesseps, also known as Countess Luann, um, <laughs> who over um, the Christmas holidays married a guy by the name of Tom D'Agostino. One of the big storylines from last season was that Tom was caught cheating on Luann by making out with some lady at the Regency Bar in Manhattan. Um, and this woman, um, Ms. Kavovit commented to Ms. Radzaville that Luann would just go forward, would rather go forward with the marriage and have to get divorced than to admit that this was a bad idea and call the wedding off. Um, so. Which still makes like no sense. No. Either way. Um, but shitty thing to say about your friend, <laughs> particularly when you were a wedding guest. Um, mm -hmm. so in any event, um, Radzaville has been sued. Uh, Kavovit is arguing that you know, New York is a um, two-party consent state, which means that if you're going to record a conversation, both parties to the conversation need to know it's being recorded. There are some states where you have the ability to record someone without their knowledge, which seems super sketchy to me, but that's the state law. So um, if you're going to record phone conversations with people or any conversation with people, know know your know your, your state law. Yeah. Um, again, that's not legal advice, just practical life advice. Um <laughs> That's what brought down um, Donald Sterling. Yes. Well, didn't really bring him down, but... Right. Did V. Stibiano ever get in trouble for recording him without his knowledge? I don't believe so. Now she just hid behind her giant visor <laughs> hat. Um, so, anyway, I don't know how she's going to win yeah, I... on the theory that um, I didn't know I was being recorded. Like, there are... Te well, I've never been to a event that's being filmed for The Real Housewives, but presumably mm -hmm. there are cameras everywhere. Um, and so, you, you know, you should be, I would think you would need to kind of be under the assumption that the cast members are all mic'd up. And this, uh, procedurally, the um, reason this lawsuit's in the news now is because Miss um, Kevovit sought an injunction to prevent the uh, Bravo from airing the episode where she made these comments about um, Luann's marriage. So, Barbara... I'm not even going to try to say her last name. <laughs> she is a member. She's a cast member. No, oh, she's, she's, a, she's a friend. Oh, she's a friend. So I might be wrong in presuming, but like, even if you are a uh, a friend or like if your likeness is being used on television, you waiver. have to sign a waiver. Right. So, um, so yeah, it does seem super weird that she 
didn't realize she was being I mean she, maybe she did realize she was being recorded and then was like oh god this is going to mm-hmm. be on TV now mm-hmm. um, and she apparently did get to go to Luann's wedding Luann only found out about these comments afterwards um, the although it's an unnamed star um, someone told her that uh, if I'd known then what I know now I never would have invited you to my wedding and Luann's is one of two weddings that have been aired on the Royal Housewives of New York, the other one being Bethany Frankel's uh, doomed marriage to Jason Hoppe back in 2010, I think. Um, so if Luann, if the Countess and this other guy end up getting divorced, like in the future, will, I would assume that like this information would come to light due to any sort of like seeking alimony or like the... Oh, maybe. Um, right. Because yeah. you didn't have to marry me if you knew I was a cheater and you weren't, no. you didn't really want to marry me. But... They have like multiple episodes just talking about him making out with some lady at a hotel bar. So, yeah. So is it I mean... the same lady? So, did he make out with one lady or did he make out with like multiple ladies? Well, so the allegation is that he is running around all over town mm-hmm. on poor Luann, but the story about the woman at the bar it was just one okay. woman at the bar. But all someone right. got photos and then texted them to Bethany Frankel of skinny girl mm-hmm. fame. Um, and then she shared them with Luann and Luann cried and they were in Palm Beach, Miami. I don't know. They were in Florida somewhere when this all broke. And then Luann went into like full denial about the whole thing and that it was a one-time thing and she didn't care. She loved him. So, you know, after the amount of, um, Real Housewives, like, talk that we've had on our podcast, I really think that we should be underwritten by, like, Andy Cohen and Bravo or something. Andy Jesus Christ Cohen? Yes. Yes, please. (laughs) So maybe, um, maybe we'll reach out to him and say, hey, you should really sponsor our podcast since we're giving you considerable airtime. I mean, they, he has been on a Real Housewives podcast, but they don't just talk about the, um, legal issues involving the ladies. They talk about the whole spectrum of all of the shows. Um, so yeah, um, I think, I feel like Carol Radswell has, still has some of that Radswell royalty money, so, um, she can probably fight this off, but, um, it does seem, at least based on the circumstances this mm-hmm. woman is alleging, um, seems like a little bit of a nuisance, um, lawsuit, because as Jen pointed out, you have to sign a waiver to get your face on TV. Presumably yeah. if she didn't sign a waiver and they put her on TV anyway, then, um, she was sued for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is also part of her lawsuit. She alleges that Radswell recorded a phone conversation the two of them had about a month later. Oh. Um, that has not been on the television show yet, if ever. So um, we'll see if any more information comes out about this. Interesting. It's a never-ending source of entertainment for us. No. Um, but that's it for us this week. Um Thanks, everyone, for listening. And again, please feel free to reach out to us um, on email at underfurtherreview.bg at gmail.com. You can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at UFR underscore BG. um, Or check out our website, underfurtherreview-bg.com. And as always, uh, please leave a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Um, I sort of started feeling badly about asking for this every time we were on, but I was listening to the NBA Ringer podcast and Chris Vernon was asking for reviews on iTunes. So it's not just like us little people who need it. It's it's a big podcast too. But since we are little, we really do need them. Um, And we would appreciate any, uh, any feedback you have for us because we are constantly trying to improve our 
production values, our content, and and we're working on theme music. We promise. We promise. Yes, <laughs> we promise. So uh, that's it for us this week, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks.